0: Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Theology Podcast, where we as ordinary pastors connect theological truths to everyday believers like you and me. My name's Ben Campbell, and I'm joined by Dustin, Michael, Walters, and Matthew John Mauser. How's it going over there, boys? Doing great. Appreciate the full the full name reading there. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, peace. <clears throat> Matt, no one word. no one can see you. Wave.
1: <laughs> well. Uh I, I'm waving, Shalom. Yeah, we can Peace hear. It. You.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of waving and unity, we've got a lot of good conversation about unity here today. And, and uh what we want to do is we want to show how biblical unity um grounds itself and expresses itself in uh the Christian life and in the local church. And so the way we're going to start this out is we're actually going to uh, read for you, dear listener, uh, Ephesians 4 to as sort of a basis foundation for what we mean when we're talking about unities. So, guys, I'm going to let you take it away and, uh, and read Ephesians 4, 1 through 16.
2: I'll be reading Ephesians 4, 1 through 8 from the Christian Standard Bible, where the Lord says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you've received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Now, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, for it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people.
1: But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave to some, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into, into maturity, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part.
0: Okay, so we have got quite a bit to work through here, uh, but one of the things that I think is important uh, to note from the onset is that Paul is writing uh, from the context of unity in the local church. Um, He's not just getting us to understand that there is unity among brothers and sisters across the world though there is we all have unity because we're children of god but more importantly how is it that we can maintain unity in the body of christ with things like different offices and different service um, opportunities and no doubt ben there is a lot in this passage and i think it's important that we
2: think about unity here described differently than unity from maybe the world's perspective There's a lot of people that are using unity as kind of a soundbite for news or social media. There is a, a kind of unity that we share with all image bearers of God because we are created in God's image according to his likeness. We're rational and relational beings. So there is a certain unity that can come from, say, just being human with other humans, we all have different aspects, uh, different approaches, different opinions. Goodness, we have different opinions, even in the body of Christ. And yet, it is Jesus who makes us one.
0: Yeah, yeah, one, one body, one spirit, because we're called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Um, th- those. Those words, those phrases, um indicate that that there ought to be unity in the body of Christ. And so there is um I, I' want I don't want to spend a ton of time here because I think it's very important, especially um coming on the the back end of some very difficult conversations in the Southern Baptist Convention that just happened in New Orleans. I think it's important that we fo- focus a little bit of our time on verse eleven, but you know, Matt, is there anything to to say for the unity that comes through one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all?
1: I think the biggest thing is it seems as though Paul is trying to remind people that though there are varying opinions and though there are the pot or there is the possibility of disagreements within the body there is more in common than there is uncommon uh there's more to agree on and so i i think that's why for instance baptism is so important uh not only is it an ordinance but it is something that unifies a group of people when they have uh when a person is baptized that that's something that they we've all been baptized for the same reason, uh, in the same manner, and it, it's it's uniting. And, and so the, yeah. the, just placing just placing that focus on, hey, guys, listen, we might disagree on these things, but at the end of the day, we have more in common than we have uh, different. And that should be our our focus, even though it's easy to place focus on uh, the things that uh, we may differ on.
2: Well, you mentioned baptism. I would add to that all the ordinances are unifying in nature. The Lord's Supper, uh, we're called to serve. uh, We're called to serve and be served. Uh, The washing of the saints feet, which a lot of people don't practice anymore, but it is it is a unifying ordinance where these ordinances are things that God has ordained so that we might grow into Christ's likeness as a body as a family of believers.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, those ordinances are like personal public professions that like, Hey, I am forsaking myself for the unity among the body of Christ. I am unifying myself though. I may not agree with everything. I'm, I'm forsaking my personal opinions for the sake of unity or even Um, personal rights. I mean, Right, there are things in life that make
2: us angry, that make us frustrating, frustrated. Frustrated, um, but when we are talking about unity, we're we're giving up our rights for the gospel yes. and for the benefit. Yeah, of
0: I may not like everything that my church does. I may not like every song that we sing. I may not like the the methods that they use, but I'm going to forsake those things because I love the church and because I want to maintain unity. Now, I I want to go. Guys, to uh kind of uh, the, the early parts of verses really the, the verses nine through sixteen I think are very important to maintaining unity. Um but let's stop right quick at verse eleven here, um, because what it what we are coming off of is the cusps of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And now we come down to verse 11, where he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when I say on the cusps of the SBC meeting, you know, for those of you that live under a rock, um, there, there was major conversation about what it means to be a pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention. Is the gift of pastor, uh, there is, is, is the word pastor, is it a gift or is it an office? Meaning, can anyone be a pastor or can only certain qualified men be a pastor? Um, those are those are interesting questions, and I don't want to get into the weeds of that discussion. That can be a podcast episode sometime in the distant future. But what I do want to ask is, what is the role of these gifts Christ has given to the church for unity in the church?
2: Doctrine and teaching immediately come to my mind. Um the different roles that he lists here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor-teacher. By the way, there's a whole exegetical conversation about pastors and teachers. Um, The the Greek seems to be pretty clear that you could do pastor slash teacher as one office. Picarelli would argue the same in his uh, Teacher-Leader Shepherd book, which we yeah. highly recommend teacher
0: leader teacher. pastor,
2: pastors listening. Uh, but there is a There there is a unity around the teaching, around the doctrine, around the gospel. There is a unity which finds expression through these different functions of of offices that he lists here or ministry service in the church. And the purpose of this teaching and unity that we have been read, uh, again, was reaching unity and faith knowledge of god's son and being mature believers so christian unity allows the body of christ to unite on the most important things one god created the world two that we're sinners and we're united with adam in his sin and transgression and rebellion three that jesus the messiah has come to ransom and redeem us to reconcile us to god the father Or that judgment day is coming and that all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive deeds done in the body, whether good or evil. So Christian unity is united, brothers, around the teaching, the doctrine, the things that C.S. Lewis would describe as mere Christianity or G.K. Chesterton would describe as mere orthodoxy. By the way, I think it would be fun for us to either do a blog, podcast, or even a book project on uh, mere Arminianism someday. I, I think that would be a fun topic. But yeah. but then you you point out these different roles, and the goal of it is maturity in Christ. And think about the 12 disciples, 11 after Judas betrayed Christ, and then the 12th when um, Matthias ends up replacing Judas, I believe— Uh, There is a unity that we see in the book of Acts that is amazing. It is inspiring. It is convicting. Yet there was also disagreement. I mean, you you see situations where uh, Paul and John Mark have a very strong disagreement, and they end up coming back together later on, which I think is beautiful. But there is a unity now. One of the problems that Paul addressed in the church at Corinth was, was their lack of unity. There was sin. There was a sexual sin, and Paul is calling on the church to discipline the, these people. Uh, and there was this all kind of division about, well, we follow the teaching of Apollos, or we follow the teaching of Paul. And some of the really spiritual people were like, we follow the teachings of Christ. And Paul is writing in Corinthians to to say, listen, there, there needs to be unity. And then in Ephesians, uh, for whatever reason, there were different factions springing up in the church at Ephesus. And Paul is, is reminding them, look, unity is not something you're going to conjure up. It's a product of Christ being the one that unites you
0: all. Well, and, and we come back to the ordinary means of grace here, don't we? that unity centers around the word and prayer and the ordinances. It doesn't it doesn't come about it, you can't conjure up unity. Like unity comes again through one lord, one faith and one baptism. That's how we're built up. And Christ, what verse 11 shows us is that Christ has given these things like prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors and shepherds for the building up of the body of Christ through the word of God.
1: Yeah, that's good. And, and one thing that I'll say too along those lines is you have all of these different roles. And maybe I'm just stating this. I'm stating the same thing in a different way, but you have various roles, but the end goal is the same. We're pulling in the same direction as a local body. And that's so important. And man, I've I've seen in, in different churches, you've got people who hold those different roles and that they don't always seem to be pulling in the same direction. But when we look at the word of God, it provides us with de- uh, with direction, uh, and also with a, a pres- prescriptive understanding of how we ought to pull. Um, and I think that's helpful. In my, yeah.
2: in my premarital counseling, one of the things that um, the brother who officiated my wedding did in our premarital counseling, was describe that marriage is tending the same garden. And he encouraged me and my bride to not be focused on trying to 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 work on a different garden, but that we were working in the same field. And I think the image there in Ephesians is also relevant for the church. And Paul even would use the image of marriage to point to the church It is in the church that we're all on the same team in the body of Christ. Now, I don't mean every denomination and every religion is on the same team, because that's Unitarian Universalism, and we reject that. But what we're talking about is, as the body of Christ, we're all tending the same field. Philippians would use the language of striving together for the faith of the gospel. It is brothers and sisters in Christ locked arm in arm, uh, pursuing the same goal, the same mission, which is to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples, to be faithful witnesses, to be who Christ has called and designed us to be. So as we think about maintaining unity, I think it's important that we think about that we're working in the same field for God's glory. yeah. And we need to tend that plot of land that he's called us to faithfully.
0: Well I think I think there's a couple of different things here that that sort of we understand. One is that um you know ultimately unit this unity that that Paul speaks of is in the local church. We have unity around the gospel and around um around the word of God. But at the same time um I think it's interesting that Paul says, you know, we ought, in Philippians like we ought to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So so we obtain unity by centering ourselves on the gospel and the word of God, while simultaneously not trying to work out other people's salvation. Let everyone is on a different level of their spiritual journey, and it's not our job to 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 um, to like get our uh, our fellow comrades up to a certain level. Like that's that's the work of the Spirit, but at the same time. One of the ways that Paul says we um, that we at- achieve this unity is verse 15 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. By speaking the truth in love, we grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. So while we do work out our own salvation with fear and trembling for the sake of unity, we also bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are building up the body of Christ as we serve the church, and we speak the truth in love to say, like, hey, brother, like, you know, I I just noticed this about your life, and and I just, I'm concerned that that may be problematic, or hey, brother, you believe this about this verse, and I'm just afraid that 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 may not be a correct interpretation. There is such a thing in an age where every everything that is disagreeable is hate speech there is such a thing as speaking the truth in love and the church ought to be the front runner of what it means to do that to maintain unity
2: absolutely absolutely and ben is hitting on some very important things there that um unity is not avoiding issues there is a biblical call for exhortation and admonition in the lord and there's a time and a place for that but it it does go back to that, Ben. Uh, the truth, speaking the truth in love. Now, let's talk about for a minute. What are some things that threaten unity in the church? What are some things that that really break down the unity of Christ's body that you've seen in your own ministry experiences?
1: Pride. That's it. That's pride. No, I, I can I can expound a little bit further, but I, well, that's one of the. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, pride comes before the fall.
0: Um, I again, like, man, the 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 craving of being right, just for the sake of being right. Um, I'll tell you another temptation that, that I see a lot is for the sake of gossip. Man, a lot. I mm. was thinking that. Yeah. Woo. Like like we're <laughs> I mean, we're meddling now, but but the thing about it is is you too often, it's a temptation for us to want to find out these prayer requests so that we can share it with other people, not in the form of prayer requests, but in the form of of hot gossip, like playing hot potato with people's problems. And and uh, you know, brothers and sisters in Christian love, we want to tell you that is not how to ma- that's not how but we maintain biblical unity in the church. We're talking about speaking the truth in love, this is it right here. Like you you do not maintain unity by gossiping about other people's problems in your local body of believers.
2: And before we go into Matt's point of pride and connected to gossip, sometimes we read passages like this and we're like, oh, I'm I'm doing good with that. <laughs> but I'd be lying to you guys. Like I I I try not to spread gossip, especially in the context of local church. There are times that I have though, not intentionally, but I have done it. Sure. And where gossip happens, and and I've noticed that a lot of times my pastor, we've talked about this in staff meeting. Well, some people are saying, and he he will ask, "Who are the some people?" Yeah, and and he even tells our people that if you have an issue with brother so and so or sister so and so, you ought to talk to them. Now, even as pastors, we let people down in this way. Uh, I know of a situation in a church where there was conversation had among members of the staff about a situation and the situation, uh, was involving a family member of one of the staff members. And the thing was brought up in staff, but to the point where there wasn't the individual conversation about the person involved. So unintentionally, the family member contributed to a division thing. Um, not not like saying that not all this was a real story that I'm familiar with that happened to someone that I'm connected to. Uh, this person shared with their family because they felt like the family needed to know, but the other front end conversation didn't happen. The Matthew 18 thing didn't happen yet. So there was division. So we've talked about pride we talked about gossip. What are some other barriers to unity that, that you all have seen? I, I think in addition to pride and gossip, I have seen um, factionalism in the church, which is part of pride causing a division where uh, people are more wanting you to follow their group or their idea or their opinion. And so, uh, there's there's disagreement on on that through factionalism. I don't know if if you all have seen that or maybe can articulate it more clearly than I have, but
1: no, I, I would agree with you. I don't really have anything to add to it or to to clarify. I thought you did a fine job, but uh, I would agree. Well, and we
2: know that one of the main threats to unity is the spiritual warfare. I mean we
0: mm.
2: we have an adversary and we need to do what Paul says in Ephesians six and put on our spiritual armor. And yeah. fight for unity. The problem with so many that I see about unity in the church is that rather than uh, rather than fighting for unity with our lives, we, we just allow the division to set in, the gossip, yeah. the hate, the pride, the the things that distract from Christ and distract from our mission.
1: Yeah, I I would say that that's man Satan loves when there is just the slightest threat to unity in a local body of believers and uh, and i would even go as far as to say not just in a local body of believers but maybe say a well-known denomination where there's disagreement and it it unravels and it be and all of a sudden that one specific issue uh causes distraction from some some of the other good things and some of the beneficial things that are going on right Not and, to call and, anyone specific out or anything
0: well and the thing about it is like it's it's fine to have disagreements right it's fine to sure. have disagreements you're going to have disagreements I mean I can promise you among the three of us we're going to disagree about something um but the thing about it is is Satan uses those disagreements to build up a calloused heart toward other people because they don't agree with what we're saying. And that's that's where it becomes problematic, where the pride comes in and where the factionalism comes in and, and even where gossip can come in. And uh, the, the, the reality of the matter is, you know, while we are fallen human beings um, – you know paul implores us to crucify the desires of the fe- the flesh in galatians 5 and so um so what i want to do to sort of close this up guys is what i i think it would be really good if we give just like one or two practical examples of how we can personally maintain unity uh in the local church like what can we do to contribute to that unity ask
2: the holy spirit to reveal Is there anything that we're doing, any attitudes, actions or behaviors that are um, causing more division than unity? So I think the first thing would be prayer and personal reflection on. Is there anything that I'm doing that's hindering unity in the body of Christ where I am a part of?
1: I like that. I'd say one of the big things I've noticed, there are uh, friends that I have who I would label as an encourager. And To me, being an encouraging person, like every person you talk to, you have a word for them. That is true. I'm not saying lie to people and tell them uh, what a great servant they are when they're actually awful. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, But what I'm saying is to their face, but also when another person's name comes up in conversation, a really great way to deter gossip like we've talked about uh and and any sort of disunity would be build that person up behind their back uh speak in, in ways about them but but also do that to their face yeah uh, I, I just think I, I know so many people that are I, not even so many people there are a few significant people in my life that come to mind that are I don't know if it is a spiritual gift that God has given them to be an encourager or if it is something they've had to cultivate over time, but they are an encourager. and I think that's a, a big step in the right direction in terms of uh, maintaining unity and building unity. Right. Well,
0: uh, Matt, to your point, it is speaking the truth in love, isn't it? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we need to be truthful in the things of of which we speak. Uh, it's not just that we're speaking things but we're speaking truth um and i think it's important uh just as as everyday believers that we ought to be truthful we actually ought to strive to be truthful don't just say things for the sake of saying them or don't just say things that that you that you may not know for certain that it's true like if you don't know don't say it you know and then even mm-hmm. if you do know probably don't say it yeah you know i mean and, that that's that's what it comes to yeah
2: and not only must we we pray for self reflection and 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 ask the holy spirit to guide us and lead us on things but but i think it's imperative that we also pray for those with whom we find disagreement
0: yeah because
2: mm-hmm. what that really does um it humbles us it makes us recognize that there's level ground for the cross and when we do things that put down our brothers and sisters in Christ when we do things that contribute to division rather than unity uh, we need to ask ourselves have we been praying for for this person and eventually you know we need to have a conversation with them in a biblical way and, and talk about it and see if there could be some reconciliation um but I, I think we also need to, to not only ask the Lord to show us what what we're doing to cause division but I, but I think we need to to pray for those people that we have a hard time getting along with for whatever reason. And Jesus said to his disciples, they will know you that you belong to me by your love for one another. Yeah. And I've seen too many times bickering and fighting in the church that maligns the witness of Christ that puts people away from Jesus. And it it really negatively impacts the whole church's public witness. I, I think that, Sometimes churches are dealing with a negative view of the church and their community, and they may not even know it. The pastors and leaders may not know something may have happened in the past, but the community is watching. Um, They're also watching when we take a stand for things for God. I I know of a situation that I was a part of years ago. I was working full-time as a youth pastor in another state, and uh, there was a school involved, a Christian school, and there was uh, some division things that that had to that happened, and um, you know, when you begin to pray for another person, you begin begin to see things for for their from their perspective, and it really, when you're not praying for that person, it demonstrates a lack of love, which First John would tell us: if you don't love people, then you don't belong to Christ.
0: Yep, I think that's a good word to end on. That we strive for unity by striving to love one another as we have been loved, and uh, so that is that is so important in maintaining unity, not just for the sake of unity, but for the sake of the gospel. And so, dear listeners, we pray that as you maintain unity through your love for one another, that these truths will reach you, and implore you to gospel faithfulness for your good and for God's glory. And as we
2: wrap up this episode, just want to give a little word to our listeners. We're going to be taking the month of July off here on the podcast as well as the blog. But we hope you all will stay tuned and subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll be releasing a fresh new episode of Four Lindsay and Friday. It'll be coming out the first Friday in August. And we have enjoyed this season of the Everyday Theology podcast and hope you all will return for the next season, which will come out the first Friday in August.